Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, exactly 20 years after its original air date. Which means, at long fucking last, we get to talk about Faith again. Because tonight we're talking about this year's girl that aired February 22nd. 2000, written by Douglas Petrie, directed by Michael Gershman. I know I don't always say that, say that, but today I've got to say that. All right. Okay, no promises, but I'm going to try to like speak very calmly in this episode because um, I have some sort of, I don't know if it's just, it's probably just a cold, but I have a sore throat and I have been trying to rest my voice. So, and now I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> okay, so what I'm going to do today, I have Nikki Stafford's Bite Me episode guide, and I'm going to read what she says about it and sort of comment as we go along, and that's how we're going to start today. I've lit a few, litten? I've lit a few candles. Uh, sorry, I'm a little delirious. in my little space, in my tiny nook, my closet that I record out of. And um, I've got my uh, cough drops ready to go. <laughs> and my shot of whiskey, which I'm going to chase with mango LaCroix. Because I never learn. I always drink fizzy drinks whenever I'm talking to you guys. So I might be a little burpy. So I apologize. All right, let's do this. Faith wakes up from her coma and attempts to exact revenge for what Buffy put her through. So that's the episode summary. <laughs> Here's the rest. Um, I hope this is okay that I'm doing this and doesn't have like copyright shit attached to it. I mean, I'm giving credit to Nikki Stafford. And if she ever hears this podcast, I would love to collaborate with you in some way or, you know, get some of more of your thoughts. <laughs> Just when you thought that coma was a handy plot device to get Faith out of the picture permanently, she returns after a series of weird dreams. In each of them, Buffy stabs her over and over again, and it's only when she fights Buffy and wins that she's able to wrest herself out of the coma. The dream sequences are great, and it's a thrill to see Harry Groan Groaner, Grainer? I don't I think it might be Grainer, again as the mayor. And Faith shows us just how strong a slayer is when she gets up from her bed and walks into the hallway to speak to someone without her legs buckling or her voice cracking. <laughs> yeah, she should have had a little bit of voice cracking at least. I can I can suspend disbelief as far as like maybe her... My mom said at one point, I think she said, so slayer's muscles don't atrophy? Um, so I, I could give it that. But it, she could have at least like when she first tried to speak, she could have been like, uh, <clears throat> you know something at this point i think definitely eliza dushku becomes a much better actor but at this point she was still pretty green like at this point i think she's only like 16 or 17 years old um and i don't have a way to look that up at the moment but i th i think i know that when she first started um playing the character of faith she was only like 15 and that was just last year so yeah she'd only be like 16 or 17 at this point Buffy tells Willow that every police officer in Sunnydale is on the lookout for Faith and that she's 
probably hiding somewhere. When Faith suddenly turns around to confront her in broad daylight, only Faith would have the guts to do something like that. And when she first gets out of the hospital, she goes straight to Giles' house and watches through the window as Buffy gets the phone call. Just as Angel watched through Joyce's window to see Buffy and Willow get the news about Ginny and Passion, Faith revels in their discomfort and the fact that she knows where they are, but they can't hurt her. Uh, I don't think she was reveling in their discomfort at all in that scene. I think she felt like that was the family she wished she could go back to, but she doesn't feel like she could. I do not think she was reveling in anything at that moment. So I disagree with Nikki on that one. Her sadism hasn't changed, but neither has her sense of guilt that what she's doing might be wrong, and if things had gone a different way, she could have been Buffy instead. Faith is also still Buffy's conscience, telling it like it is and pointing out Buffy's flaws. In this episode, we see, that's, that's interesting, Faith is still Buffy's conscience. I never thought of her that way, but Faith does confront things for Buffy that no one else confronts in her. So I can see that. In this episode, we see Joyce for the first time in ages, with Faith telling the audience what we've already figured out. Joyce is no longer a presence in Buffy's life. In Goodbye, Iowa, when Buffy feared that her friends' lives might be in danger, she hid everyone she cared about at Xander's place. Notice, Joyce wasn't there. So what? It's because Christine Sutherland was, like, out of the country at this point. Like, she was living in England with her family or something. She wasn't really acting much anymore. Notice Joyce wasn't there. So what better way to conclude the Faith Buffy storyline than to let them walk in each other's shoes for a while? It's brilliant. Faith has always wondered if, by the grace of God, she could have been Buffy. And Buffy often tries to come to grips with why Faith is the, is the way she is, what makes her tick, and what's going on in her brain. So voila, you're now in each other's bodies. It's an inspired concept that makes the anticipation for next week's episode that much more exciting. Okay, interesting facts. The title of this episode isn't just a reference to Elvis Costello's This Year's Girl. Didn't even put that together. I should have. Which appears on his 1978 album This Year's Model, but also to Japanese kitsch pop band Pizzicato 5's song of the same name from their 1994 American debut EP 5 by 5 What? I've never heard this. Pizzicato 5 has a song called This Year's Girl from 1994. The EP is called 5x5. Five Five. Shit, I'm going to pause this and write that down. Could it be possible that the entire inspiration for Faith using the phrase 5x5 Five Five is because of Pizzicato 5? Fuck. I bet it is. Okay, I need to hear that song. I need to hear that song. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. Normally I wouldn't read all of these little parts, but... Did you notice the dream sequences had some great hints and winks in them? Of course, we'll talk about that. In the first one, Faith tells Buffy she she has to get ready for little sis to come. At the picnic with the mayor, a snake slithers across the blanket and the mayor tells him he doesn't belong there. And finally, when Faith wakes up, her monitor says 3097. Some fans speculated this could be the 730, all the numbers are there she had re referred to in the graduation day part two dream sequence. Nope. Nope. It wasn't that, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Nitpicks. Why is it that eight months after the Sunnydale High destruction, the building is still standing there with nothing but some yellow police tape around it? Good question. 
Every time the gang enters the place creaks and groans, wouldn't it have been demolished by now? And Harry Grainer has lost some weight and sports a different hairstyle, so it's not as believable that he would have made the videotape seven months earlier. Whatever. Um, also, since Faith is one for questioning, shouldn't there have been at least one security camera on her room? And when she removes the wires that are monitoring her, the medical equipment should have been sort of beeping or showing a flat line. It did neither. Um, my Michael pointed that out, too. Okay, sorry for that. That felt like a cop-out to read everything that Nikki Stafford wrote, but I just wanted to, like, ground myself for a second. So I just watched the episode with headphones on. Um, I know I say this, like, every time I watch the episode when I have headphones on, but do it sometime. If you have, especially if you have the DVDs, probably if you're streaming it, I bet the sound quality is not quite as good. But if you have the DVDs and you have a decent stereo setup, put some headphones on once in a while and check it out because it's worth it. Like all the little background noises, like when Faith was walking through the town after she had woken up and stole that chick's clothes, she, um, and she's looking, she's like across the street looking at the destruction of the school. And you can hear in the background crickets, like little stuff like that is there. Every time I put the headphones on things that you wouldn't necessarily hear unless you have a really great speaker setup. Um, I did not hear that the first time watching it um, a few days ago. Not my first time ever, obviously, but it, it's just, it's so worthwhile to um, put headphones on. If you, if you are a person that likes to do that, like, I know not everybody enjoys having headphones on. Sometimes, some people feel like, you know, it makes their ears hot and it feels like claustrophobic, but I like a good big pair of headphones, you know? I'm all about it. I've got actually two pairs of really great headphones that I love and I use all the time. Sorry, I'm in a little bit of a stereo nerd space. I went today, like my town had like a, I don't know what they were calling it, a record show, I think, where it was just kind of like a, like a bunch of like old white dudes for the most part. <laughs> there was one like younger black chick and I was like man you go girl I should have bought some records from her just like to make a point but I didn't actually want to buy any records I have a lot of records but anyway there was a record show where like a bunch of different people were selling their records in like a warehouse and a convention center thing and it was it was fun and there was one guy that had record that had um stereo equipment which is the thing that is most tempting to me um i already have pretty good stereo equipment but um i've been particularly tempted lately by cd changers like what I really want is a three disc CD changer. Cause that's what I had when I was a teenager. And, um, I, I think at one point I also had a five disc changer, but the three is a better mix. Like I miss the days of just putting three CDs and shuffle all. Um, it's such a stupid thing to want, but I think at some point I will probably get one anyway. I got to do that today, so that was fun. So that's my little personal aside. Let's get into talking about this episode. I'm so excited. Like, of course, the bigger discussion will be next week, thankfully, because I will be healed from this cold or whatever it is by next week. So I'll be a little less delirious. Um, but this episode is still a really good episode. It's it's very well structured. It's it's awesome. I love that it starts with a dream that has symbolism buried in it. Um, so I'm just going to 
let's get into my notes here. At one point, Buffy says, I forgot. And Faith says, I noticed. I think this is a really big deal. I think it's a really big deal that, you know, Faith was basically set up to be Buffy's shadow. You know, she's the dark, she's the dark slayer. And I think it's really important that that be acknowledged the way that she handled it. Um, you know, she, she tried to be compassionate towards Faith, but she was prickly towards her since the very beginning. She does not do well. She's an only child. She does not do well with people like sharing space with her, people that are like her. You know, she gets along fine with Willow because Willow is never going to be any type of competition with Buffy. You know, like Willow and Buffy are never going to be interested in the same type of people. They're never going to be, you know, like never any type of competition between the two of them. And Buffy is only ever able to be friends with Willow as a female. She kind of gets a little bit of a friendship with Tara, but it's just based on the fact that Tara happened to see something and showed empathy toward Buffy, you know? And that doesn't happen till season six, but we just, we really don't get her having any female friendships except Willow, which is unfortunate because the person that she really could have shared the most with would have been Faith. If, and I know I always talk about this, but if Buffy had been more involved in helping to get on the same level as Faith and talk to Faith and help rehabilitate Faith, if she had been, if she had been half as caring towards Faith as she is towards her boyfriends when they're going through identity crises, hello Riley right now, then she could have, you know, been okay. Like, Faith has been left behind by Buffy. Like, yes, she's she's done a lot of shitty things, but anyway, <laughs> I over-identify with Faith. Y'all know this. Y'all know that's what I'm going to be talking about the next two episodes is how much empathy I have towards Faith as a character. Um, so this, this little moment, just, I forgot. I noticed. Like, in this dream sequence, this is Buffy's dream sequence. Buffy's dream sequence, I, well, actually, is it? Did they show that it was Buffy having this dream at the very, very beginning? Or was that another of Faith's dreams? That might have just been one of Faith's dreams. Anyway, in this particular dream sequence at the very beginning, Faith is very understanding. She's making Buffy's bed with her. And Buffy keeps saying, I have to go, I have to go. And Faith's like, I know, you've got a lot to do. Little sis is coming. She's, she understands why Buffy forgot about her. And that is just so heartbreaking to me. And it really was like, I feel like this is out of character for Buffy. I feel like she, you know, like that moment whenever she first put Faith in the coma and she kisses her on the forehead, like a little moment of understanding. I feel like a more realistic portrayal of Buffy's character, who's often shown as an empathetic person that gives a shit about what other people think. Yeah, she's very self-centered, so she's not always, she kind of has to force herself to put herself in someone else's shoes. But 
I just feel like we should have seen her visiting Faith. You know, like I think it would have been, even if we had just seen it like twice in the last, you know, this is, we've been through two thirds of a season at this point of not even talking about Faith. So I think it just would have been nice if they threw in a tiny little 30 second scene every once in a while of like showing us a routine that I think if Buffy were the character that she's portrayed to us as being, um, an empathetic person that feels guilt whenever she does things wrong. We are shown time and time again that Buffy feels extreme guilt when she does things wrong. I think we should see her having some sort of path of atonement in her mind that at least she forces herself to go visit Faith, you know? That's all she would have to do is go by there and bring fresh fresh flowers every once in a while because no one else is fucking visiting Faith in the hospital. No one. She's got no one. And if Buffy were the character that we are supposed to think she is, she would do that. And I think that's just a huge oversight. That is another that's like reason number, you know, first and last. First and last argument for why Buffy is not a feminist show. We'd like it to be, but it really isn't. And this is a glaring example right here. Because if Buffy really gave a shit about someone other than herself and her boyfriends, then she would give a shit about Faith. She would feel bad. She would feel so bad, like despite all of the things that Faith did. She did some shitty things. But it really wasn't that irredeemable when you think about all the things that Angel has done. You know, I realize that it's different with Faith because she's human. She has a soul and she still did terrible things. And the show really doesn't forgive humans that do terrible things because they have a soul. And so they should have an excuse or they should have a conscience. But still, I think, you know, if... If Buffy, I think about this a lot, if Buffy were remade today with largely the same general outline of plot lines and character development and the same type of characters present, if they just reprised all of the characters in slightly different ways and updated them for 2020, we would show Buffy having a lot more remorse for what she did to Faith. Because let's be real, she stabbed Faith in the gut. She stabbed a human slayer that had gone through, you know, a fall from grace moment that could have been rehabilitated. She stabbed her in the gut in order to save her vampire boyfriend. Like, that's pretty bad. That's a bad slayer move, Buffy. Like, that's not cute. No. Okay, we've gone through like literally four words of my notes. <laughs> okay. And then um, Faith says, little sis coming. She says, you ever going to take this thing out? So we see the blood dropping on the sheets as Buffy and Faith are making her bed. So obviously there's like the... The first clue was a dream sequence back in season three with Faith and Buffy, also in her bedroom, where she says, counting down 730 something, something about little Miss Muffet or something. And she says 730, which is basically two years. And that was at the end of season three. So it was pretty much exactly two years later that we get Dawn. Um... 
<laughs> I just wrote down Giles fold folding laundry. My mom and I are paying particular attention to what Giles <laughs> is doing <laughs> at all times. I love it. Xander gets up. So they're still hanging out in Xander's basement at this point. Zan at the beginning of the episode. Xander's getting electrocuted because he's trying to figure out how to work the blaster gun. I think that was the same gun that um, Walsh had given to Buffy that backfired and like broke or whatever. Um, so we flash over to Riley. He's feeling a little bit better. He leaves to go find Buffy. Forrest disapproves, of course. Um, another one of Faith's dreams. This is where Faith is revealed as like at the end of the dream, we see Faith in the coma. I think in the first dream sequence at the very beginning, I, that's why I don't know if it was Buffy or Faith having the dream because I don't think they show that. I think they just show the dream and then maybe the theme song comes on. I don't know. I didn't write that down. I might've missed something. So Faith dreams of, so this is one of Faith, Faith dream number two, if you assume that the first dream of the episode was also her dream. She's having a picnic with the mayor and she is dressed in like pretty flowery, light colored clothes like she normally wouldn't wear in real life. And she's having the picnic with the mayor and she's worrying. She's like, isn't it going to rain? And the mayor's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And the snake like slithers across the blanket and he picks the snake up and says, what are you doing here, little guy? You don't belong here. And I think that's supposed to be kind of like a foreshadowing of later when he tells Faith via the VHS tape that he doesn't, that she doesn't belong in this world anymore. Then Buffy comes interrupting the picnic, kills the mayor, and then chases her and kills her, I guess. I think in this particular episode, she's getting killed or she's just getting chased by Buffy with a knife. It's always that same jackal knife that used to be Faith's knife. I mean, really think about this from Faith's point of view. Okay. Like you've been through some shit in your life. Obviously you've been through a lot before you were even called as a slayer. And then you go to meet another slayer after your watcher gets killed in front of you and you go to meet the only other slayer in the world and she just pretty much immediately puts up a wall against you and you keep trying to get in you stay in town for months and months and you and you just finally give up you finally give up and you go to the dark side and she still doesn't give a shit you know like and then she steals your knife that was a gift to you from the only person that's given a shit about you in the last year since your watcher died, the mayor. She steals your knife and then later stabs you with it to save her boyfriend, who's a vampire. Like, come on. Come on. I mean, we're used to seeing all this shit from Buffy's point of view. But really, think about it from Faith's point of view. Buffy's a piece of shit. From Faith's perspective, she is. Okay. <laughs> She's a victim in her coma world being relentlessly pursued by Buffy. So this is another thing. Like, it makes even more sense that Faith would be extra on the warpath when she wakes up from the coma. Because she wakes up from the coma. She's really confused. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on. She realizes it's like eight months later. No one gives a shit about her. The mayor's dead. She goes to see what's going on at Giles' house. And 
there's a new boyfriend. The person that she was almost gutted for, which she says later, we'll get there, isn't even in the picture anymore. You know, and okay, I hate to bring this up because this might be a little bit triggering. So trigger warning for um, sexual abuse. But I always think about this. Even before I saw Kill Bill, I thought about this a lot. It is actually a thing that women in long-term coma situations are raped. They're raped by by different male orderlies that work at the hospital, probably also situations like in Kill Bill where like someone comes and pays the orderlies at the hospital for time alone with female coma patients. There was a coma patient, like, I'm sorry to like, I don't like to like talk about really upsetting shit like this from the real world, but there was like a coma patient, there was like a news story in the last couple of years where a coma patient was um, pregnant and coming to full term, even though she's been in a coma for like 10 years or something. This shit happens. And I think about it every time I see a, a movie or a TV show where there's a woman in a coma. And I know that like, obviously like a show like Buffy is not going to address something that fucking dark. Like they really don't go that dark. I mean, yeah, a couple of moments in season six, they could have gone that dark, but at this point they're not going that dark. But I think about that, you know, she was in like a fucking basement of the hospital in a coma for eight months, a beautiful young woman. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you wake up from a fucking coma. You realize no one has been looking for you. Sorry, sorry. And she's having dreams for eight months straight that Buffy is pursuing her and stabbing her. And of course she is, because that's the last moment she remembers, you know, like the person that could have been her one true ally in the world. Like she felt alone from the very beginning when she came to Sunnydale to meet Buffy. She was looking for connection with Buffy specifically. She was like, no one in this fucking world understands me. My parents were assholes, you know, like, Everybody's always been an asshole to me, except my watcher who was kind to me, but she died right in front of me. Like she has nothing. Like you would become like Faith too. Like all of us would. Sorry. Remember when I said I was going to talk quietly tonight? <laughs> that has not been happening. I'm very worked up. Um, so she's been like the entire time we can assume that she's been having these terror dreams of being chased by Buffy for eight months straight. Like fucking hell. Um, my next note is Buffy has a leopard trench coat. Um, it's not the same as her leopard trench coat that time that Buffy was trying to keep Faith from leaving because she was at the docks. She was trying to keep her from leaving and trying to help rehabilitate her. And, you know, when they were yelling at each other and Faith's like, you're afraid of me because you could become me. You could be me in different circumstances. That whole argument that they had back in season three, it might've been a callback to that leopard trench coat, because that, but that one was a leopard pea coat and this one's a leopard trench coat. There's a little bit of difference. <laughs> they were both like knee length leopard coats, but that one was double breasted with, you know, the, the two sets of buttons going down the front that makes it a pea coat. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. 
leopard trench coat. Yes. Then Buffy runs into, so she's patrolling with Xander and Willow at this point. They're still, you know, they don't know about Faith, obviously. At this point, she hasn't even woken up yet. Oh my god, I just broke my little paintbrush that I like to play with while I'm talking. I just broke it. Oh well. <laughs> um, so they're patrolling, looking for Adam. And they see a dissected demon that's still steaming. Those sound effects were pretty vivid in my headphones. <laughs> that steaming, steaming demon sound effects. Steaming demon. Okay. That should be like a cocktail. The steaming demon. It'd be one of those ones that like you can set on fire. You know what I'm saying? Or that just had some sort of weird chemical re reaction that made it look like it was steaming. Nah. I'm not, a, I'm not a bartender, but if you ever figure that out and you are a bartender, please let me know the ingredients and how to make it. Thank you. Mixtressradio at gmail. Okay, my next note, Buffy has big plan to break Riley out, so she goes on this big monologue of like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Blah, 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 authoritative, 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 and then Riley walks in because, um, you know, he has gotten out. And um, he's like, oh, it, is it worth all that just for me? So that was a cute moment because Riley knows now how much she gave a shit about getting him out. Like if he was at all questioning his trust in her at this point, which it would make sense if he was after everything that's been happening to him in the last couple of episodes, then it would, you know, he would probably be calmed by that moment. So that was cute. Riley kind of apologizes to Willow because you remember in the little bit, you remember in the last episode when Riley, previously on Buffy, Riley like pushed Willow to the f ground, to the to the basement floor, to the concrete basement floor, last episode. But um, he he kind of he was like my behavior, and he probably would have segued into an actual real apology if Willow had let him, but she kind of cut him off. Like, look, it's okay. I've been through way worse with Buffy's boyfriends. <laughs> she should have said that. <laughs> she really should have. Oh, that would have called her out. Riley doesn't even know about Angel yet, you guys. He doesn't even know. Okay, uh, my next note is Faith emerges from the grave victorious this time. So we see the third of Faith's dreams, again, assuming that the first dream was hers, which we don't know. And this one, she's being chased by Buffy into a pre-dug six-foot grave. And there, down at the bottom, you don't see what happens, but the person that emerges is Faith. And she just sort of, like, crawls out of the grave, stands at the top, and starts, like, screaming a primal scream. She probably has the knife. I, don't, I can't remember now, but she probably has it at this point. Um, and then she wakes up. So I think that's kind of interesting that they chose to to do it this way. They chose to ha to show her having dreams of Buffy pursuing her and Buffy being the bad guy. In Faith's dreams, Buffy is the bad guy. Buffy's the one wearing all black and thick black eyeliner and chasing her down with her own knife and just killing her for no reason in the dreams. And Faith is the one being scared and running from her. She's the victim in her dreams. But then she finds the strength to fight back. And that's when she wakes up. And I think that's, I mean, for a slayer in a coma, that's the right storyline to tell there. I think that's the right, the right choice. Um, 
my next note was nice score. The score when Faith first wakes up by Christoph Beck. I don't always... If he's the one that does the score during the fight scenes, I fucking hate them. But whenever he does calm, he does a really good job. So, like, when Faith wakes up from the coma, it's like a bunch of, like, really sparse violin shit. Like, solo violinist. And then it's... um cut with like a single choral singer just going but only like doing that well it is really creepy and cool and she wakes up and she doesn't know what the fuck's going on she sees someone in the hallway who has bitchin bangs by the way she's got the best short bangs i've ever seen um and starts asking her questions going like graduation I gotta get you graduation and the chick's like oh shit girl where you been that was like eight months ago the whole school is destroyed now and the next scene you see her with that chick's clothes on so you don't see it happen but you know that she has taken that chick's clothes um violin and single chorus oh she asks the faith asks the chick that she finds in the hallway that she ends up stealing her clothes from what day it is and she says february 25th so i mean at least they're in the vicinity of the time but they knew what day they aired why didn't they just say february 22nd because that was the day that this episode was going to air you know maybe they were just trying to go kind of in between the two dates they maybe didn't know if it was going to air the 22nd or the 29th that actually makes sense because that really is kind of smack dab in the middle of those two dates. If they didn't, if they kind of knew that it was going to be one of those weeks. So I'll give it a pass on that one. But she did say February 25th was the day's date. Um, then we get like, I mean, this is a sweet moment because Riley's still like, it's, we need to be reminded that Riley's going through an identity crisis right now when we care about Riley. We're supposed to care about Riley. Um, it's hard to see him, and this was pointed out in the TPN, TPN's Buffy guide that is on um, YouTube. It's really great. He pointed out that, like, we've seen Buffy go through this kind of identity crisis. We don't need to see, what did he call, he called Riley something that was really funny. We don't need to see Wonder Bread with an NSYNC haircut go through it, too. <laughs> um, but, you know... This was a sweet moment between the two of them because Riley's like, what am I going to do now? Um, you could give me an order. That that would help. And Buffy's like, look, you're going to figure this out. You're going to figure out what you want to do from here. Like, I know you're a good person. Like, this is a, this is a scary time for you. She understands. Um, so it's a sweet moment because she understands what he's going through. She's helping talk him through it. Shit like that. She didn't ever do that with Faith, now did she? Um, okay. The nurse that finds Faith gone when she starts her shift. You see a whole conversation between her and like some other orderlies or something, some other hospital people, doctors or something. And when they walk away, she calls someone on the phone and says, all she says is, it's happened send the team so you're like what the fuck is that and i kind of jumped ahead so this is the point where we cut to faith walking around town 
like she goes to see the school and sees that it's destroyed she goes she like walks around the square or whatever and there are people fucking everywhere is this not a small town like i live in a small town there are not people fucking everywhere at night there's just not <laughs> not even in like downtown like there might be a few people out walking but not that many she sees people everywhere she's sort of walking around bewildered like what's going on and then my next note is Giles making tea <laughs> so we're at Giles's place now and we see um Faith is we see it first we see it from her point of view she's just like watching them from outside the window she's listening to their entire conversation and I wrote it down I put the like display information of the DVD up on the screen from minute 20 and 47 seconds to minute 22 and 28 seconds Riley is not in the shot even though he's in the room and he just listens so this is after like um they were talking about initiative shit enough for Faith to see Buffy like sitting on Riley's lap and running her hand through his hair and you're like wow what this must look like from her point of view this is crazy (laughs) like who is this guy and then we see um a call comes through for Buffy and she gets on the phone and then when she gets off the phone they have an entire conversation that's the 20 minutes and 47 seconds to 22 minutes and 28 seconds where they're talking about Faith and what the fuck they're gonna do because she's awake now Riley just listens the whole time he's not even in the shot which is it was cute that they did it that way they like they framed everybody else and he was kind of sitting on a chair next to the fireplace so they were able to cut him out of the shot completely so you kind of forget that he's there and then at the very end he's like who's faith so i thought that was kind of i mean this is kind of silly but i thought it was cute that he listened to that entire thing most dudes would not have done that most dudes would be like what are you talking about what are you talking about what are you talking about like immediately but he just sat there, listened to the whole thing, and then he's like, what's going on, guys? For over a minute and a half, a minute and 45 seconds, he was just sitting there listening while they talked about all that shit, which is an extraordinarily long amount of time for a dude to not say anything in a conversation. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Sorry. Hashtag not all dudes. Um, my next note is Willow is evil because... At first, Buffy's a little bit compassionate. She's like, what does she say? She says something like, we still have a decision to make. I mean, do we turn her over to the cops? They're not going to know what to do with the Slayer. And also, we don't know what she's thinking. We don't know what she's feeling. She could be terrified. She could not remember anything. You know, like she's putting herself in Faye's shoes for a fucking second. This is all we get. This is all the compassion we get from Buffy. I mean, we'll get some once she's been actually literally in Faith's shoes and body in the next episode and she starts to see what it's really like to be treated like Faith gets treated. But for now, this is the only empathy we get from Buffy in this little moment where she's like, we don't know what she's thinking. We don't know what she's feeling. And we don't get to see, at this point, we're entirely in the room with them and we don't get to see what Faith's reaction to Buffy saying that is. Like, it's possible she didn't, she left before she even said that. It's possible. It's possible she didn't even see that little moment. I hope she did, but we don't know. Um, and I, I wrote Willow is evil because, like, so Buffy's like, I don't know. We don't know what she's thinking. We don't know what she's feeling. Like, 
And, you know, Giles is right there with her. He's like, well, maybe there's some sort of rehabilitation we haven't thought of. Um, and then Willow's like, or you could just kill her. <laughs> that was the funnest coma ever. She just saying all kinds of shit about Faith. Which, you know, it makes sense. But, I don't know. You know how I get defensive for Faith. <laughs> and the next morning, Buffy and Willow are kind of walking through school and talking. They're not in hiding anymore. They're they're back at school. They're not staying in Xander's basement anymore. I guess once Riley came back, they felt fortified to come out of hiding. I don't know, whatever. It's just kind of unceremonious how they've just decided to stop hiding. Obviously, because they were at Giles' house the night before. So basically, as soon as Riley comes back, they're not hiding anymore. Um, which makes sense, I guess, because, you know, Riley was inside long enough to know, like, the people that were a huge threat, like that scientist dude and Professor Walsh, were both killed. So, like, the biggest threat is really Adam. And Adam might not necessarily know how to find them. Um... Although that's why they went into hiding in the first place. Whatever. Do not pick apart the plots that aren't character driven. Do not do it. <laughs> I get lost in details and I will always go down those rabbit holes with you guys, but it's kind of pointless. Um, okay. Where are we? So at what, when Faith is revealed, Buffy was like, well, if I were her, I'd get out of here. Post hasty, whatever. And Faith just turns around. She's like standing at a message board, like a bulletin board thing at the school. Um, and she's like, well, you're not me. And then I wrote yet <laughs> in parentheses. Okay. So here's where we segue into, this is going to be what I assume will be a continued plea that I you guys will probably get annoyed by me mentioning this in every single episode, but I figure it's going to be the kind of thing that if I am ever granted this particular wish, that it might take some time for the wish to be granted. So this is where I ask you guys for help. So you know how I do my like featured object of the episode? In this particular episode... It's not really an object from the episode, but it's an object that I was reminded of by watching the episode. So you know how the mayor gives Faith, like, an envelope with a VHS tape in it? So I was watching this episode today, and in this moment in particular, you know, whenever, like, Faith first reveals to Buffy that she's there, and then there's an ad break after that, I was thinking, okay, so I have the DVDs, that's how I watch Buffy. I also have Hulu. I could watch it there. Um, I don't have a way to have commercial interruptions. So sometimes, like I'm not necessarily always paying attention to where the ad breaks would be because I don't have ad breaks. And it's not like, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing for me to be thinking about wanting commercials. But here's what I thought of while I was watching Buffy a few minutes ago, you guys. Would it not be the most amazing experience ever? As I'm doing this project, especially because I'm watching every episode of Buffy 20 years later, how cool would it be to watch the Buffy episodes on VHS on not just regular like VHS that you buy that doesn't have any commercials, but VHS that someone taped at the time that it first aired. 
So I'd be seeing the commercials from 20 years ago. How cool would that be? And I would get the, I mean, to really dive into the spirit of watching the episodes exactly 20 years later would be to watch it the way that I would have had to watch it on that day 20 years ago. So I would have seen those same commercials. I mean, obviously they're different no matter where you're from. I don't have those VHS tapes, unfortunately. I think I have one VHS tape that might have some Buffy on it, but it's just like some random, like two or three episodes I might still have on a tape somewhere. I actually have a VCR hooked up at all times, if I've never told you that. It's part of my stereo component setup. <laughs> I have uh, a tape deck, uh, a record player, an amp, a VCR and a Blu-ray slash DVD slash CD player because you can play CDs in Blu-ray players. Yeah. I would really, really, really love slash appreciate having, I mean, it would, I would be so incredibly grateful if any of you listening, if you have old VHS tapes with recorded episodes of Buffy, it doesn't actually have to be like original air date shit. It could be reruns. It doesn't need to be labeled. Like, I will watch it and find what's on there. If you've got old episodes of Buffy recorded on VHS, I will pay for the shipping for you to get it to me. Um, and I will mail it back on my own dime if you just want to lend them and you don't want to give them to me. If you want to give them to me, I will give them a new home and I will love them until they fall apart. If you want to loan them to me, I can assure you I am trustworthy. You may, you, you can, you ha you'll have to trust me on that. <laughs> you have no way of knowing. <laughs> um, but you can trust me. I will send them back. It will take me a while, especially if like you send me a tape that has episodes. If you sent me a tape that has episodes of season seven right now, like I'm not going to be able to send them back to you until after I've watched season seven for this project, which is another three years from now. But if you want them back and you are amazing and kind enough to entrust them to me for a certain number of years, I will send them back. My, uh, my VCR is in great condition. It has never eaten a tape. So as long as your tape is still in pretty decent condition, um, I don't think anything that I would do would damage it. I would take care of your tapes and I would send them back to you if you wanted them back. If not, I would keep them forever. <laughs> I would really love to have that experience. Even if I can only do it, like if one person out there is able to send me an old VHS type tape that happens to have three episodes from season whatever. I don't even care if it's an old season. If it's an old season, I'll watch them again and do like a little like 23 years later update or whatever if you've got something from season one whatever i will take whatever i can get so if you have any old vhs tapes of buffy episodes that you directly taped from tv let me know mixtress radio at gmail i will pay the shipping i will send them back on my own dime if you don't want me to keep them forever if you do want me to keep them forever, I will give them a beautiful home and I will cherish them. Thank you so much. <laughs>
I don't know why I never thought about this before now, but I think it would just be so fun to watch it in that context. And I would, I would love it. I would love it. I need to go back. I really don't have that many VHS, VHS tapes um, anymore, but I know I have a few episodes from like season six taped. So I've just got to like log which ones those are so that when I get to that point, if nothing else, if no one else has any that they want to send me between now and then, I will at least have like a couple of episodes from season six that I can watch in that context. And I just think it would make it so special to watch it like that. So please, 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 you would be my best friend forever. If there's something else I could do for you besides paying the shipping, I will do it. I'm not a person that has a lot of money, but I will send you like a care package of like weird witchy shit I have around the house. I'll send you some crystals. I'll send you my favorite incense of all time, which is called Gothic Gateway. It's real good. I'll send you a care package for sure if you have um, old VHS tapes that you would be willing to send me of Buffy episodes. I would, oh, it would just be a dream come true, especially if I could have a whole collection. Like if I were an actual popular podcaster and I could somehow acquire an entire collection from several different people of VHS tapes from different parts of the country, um... Or world, I don't know. Did VHS tapes have like different regions like DVDs do? Like are US VHS tapes playable in other countries and vice versa? That is a piece of information I don't have. <laughs> Let me know if you guys know. Anyway, sorry. I am a lover of old formats of things. I bought today, I spent $9 on blank cassette tapes on two blank cassette tapes at that record show. Um, so <laughs> I am no stranger to old formats and things. Okay, let's get back to the notes. Um, mixtressradio at gmail is where you can email me if you have any old VHS tapes of Buffy that you would like to entrust in my care, either temporarily or permanently. Please, please, please. I would love it so much. Okay, thank you. Okay, shutting up about that now. Um, so... Some things that Faith says whenever she first sees Buffy in the quad with Willow. Um, Buffy said something about, like, please, these are innocent people. Like, thinking that maybe Faith is going to hurt the people on campus. I don't know. And Faith says, no such animal. And then at one point she says, she's forgotten about the love of her life. She's forgotten and she's forgotten about the chick she nearly gutted for him. Very important point, Faith. I know we talked about that already, but yeah. Faith pretty much ignores Willow, um, which I think is kind of, I think that's kind of important. Like Willow is sort of like hovering around. She's threatening to like hit Faith with her backpack. Whenever they actually start fighting, Willow does hit Faith with her backpack. And Willow doesn't retaliate against Faith. Faith doesn't retaliate against Willow. She kind of like says, I'm going to break your arm if you do that. Um, and she doesn't retaliate whenever she actually does it. So I think that's kind of important, you know, because she could have taken Willow down real quick, but she doesn't. Um, I, maybe we're supposed to think that Buffy was defending her. So that's why it didn't happen. But I think Faith could have taken her down real quick if she wanted to. And she didn't. 
So some of the, I kind of wrote down people, all different characters are saying all kinds of disparaging things when they describe Faith to other people. They call her, so I wrote down some of those things. Psychopathic super bitch, cleavagey slut bomb, um, criminally insane. She's referred to as criminally insane several times. Um, Tara and Willow are talking. That's when Willow's the one that calls her a psychopathic super bitch and cleavagey slut bomb. And she's like, I'm wicked cool. I'm five by five. And Tara's like, five what by five what? Willow says, see, that's the thing. No one knows. <laughs> um, I like that. Because it's kind of my thing. The five by five, I mean, despite the fact that I force you guys to listen to me tell you my five by five ratings of Buffy every week, which are totally inconsequential. Um, I also have a tattoo that says five by five on it and it's my big, it's my biggest tattoo. Actually, it's on my left calf. Um, Xander thinks he's a target. So Xander's like patrolling with Giles or something that night. And he's like, going on and on about how like she might be looking for him because they have like history and all this shit and it's like god xander shut up i know you guys like did it that one time but like get over it okay and this is where we get the quote of the episode so spike and giles spike and giles giles and xander run into spike in an alley and they start telling him what's going on like and he's like is this bird after you and they like tell him everything like as if he's gonna help them and spike's like oh cool i'll uh find this chick and point her at you guys and watch while she kills you and they're like what <laughs> and spike says this is the quote of the episode can't any one of your damned little scooby club at least try to remember that i hate you all <laughs> and he says something like uh, and then Xander responds, well, you're not going to know what she looks like. And he's like, um, dark hair, yay tall, criminally insane. I like this chick already. I like this girl already. Um, <laughs> criminally insane. Of course Spike would love someone criminally insane. Little side note. Like one of the reasons that I'm so defensive of Faith is because my very favorite character type of all time is essentially criminally insane woman. I mean, that's probably not the correct term, but just that, um, that archetype. That's my archetype. Drusilla, Faith, um, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy. Um, who else is that type of just like insane? That is just my favorite type of character that is the one that i'm the most interested helena from orphan black like anytime there's somebody that's just completely off the hinges nuts and also extremely interesting that is my type kabuki like my very favorite my first very favorite comic series of all time was the kabuki comics and that was essentially what she was she was i like broken insane women <laughs> that also are brutally violent. Jessica Jones, another example, like crazy, strong, criminally insane. Yeah, that's my type. Spike and I have the same type. <laughs> um, the special task force is here. So whoever that 
um, nurse called in the hospital. I think they're like offshoots of the Watchers Council. They're like a special task force. They're like gritty dudes that can like, you know, really take someone down that normal Watchers wouldn't be able to. Um, they know Giles. They show up at his house. I don't know what that's about. Like, why? They, all they show is that Giles is coming home at the end of the day or something, and he's trying to turn his lights on, and then one of them turns on his lamp and is smoking in his goddamn house. Very disrespectful. So I don't know what they, what, if any, conversation they had with Giles. I'm sure Giles would have tried to dissuade them from going after Faith because... That's not the way to rehabilitate her, you know? Or maybe he did help them. Maybe he thought that was the best plan because they at least kind of know what they're dealing with as opposed to um, cops. But I don't know. We don't see what happens in that conversation. Then we get um, a demon confronts Faith in an alley and she just kills him, like on instinct. And he was coming to her to give her the VHS tape from the mayor. And um, da, da, da. I, I wrote controlling man crap. Like it seems a little bit emotionally manipulative. I mean, it's kind of sweet when we see the mayor's recorded like a little thing for her. Like in the in the like 24 hour period that he had between when she fell into the coma and when he ascended he recorded something for her in case he didn't make it, you know? Um, and it's sweet. It's a sweet little moment, but also he's being really emotionally manipulative, manipulative in this conversation. You know, he's like, you're going to wake up and the world isn't going to be for you anymore. You're not going to fit here anymore. There won't be a place for you in the world anymore, but just because it's over for my faith, blah, 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 blah. And that was my initial reaction was that he was being emotionally manipulative, like that whole, when you, whenever you got the controlling boyfriend, that's like, no one's going to love you, but me, I'm the only one that loves you. You know, it seemed like that on first, it seemed like that. It just seemed like that a little bit, but in the TPN's Buffy guide, on YouTube, he pointed out that he kind of thought that at first too, but then he realized that the mayor, that probably actually is his worldview. He doesn't have a soul. He probably sees things in that way. So he thinks about what he would feel in that situation. And he was just being kind of protective dad type. Um, so I, I buy that a little bit. Like, I think the mayor genuinely gave a shit about faith. I think he really did. So I don't think he was trying to be an asshole in this moment, but it still is emotionally manipulative for him to tell her, you know, posthumously, essentially, after his death, he's telling her that she can't hack it in this world. He's still going to need to take care of her. And he gives her this device and we don't know what it does yet. Um, a question came up like, um, my Michael had me pause and he was like, is the Slayer power, is it attached to your body or is it attached to your soul? So if it's attached to your body, if the, the 
slayerness, the essence of slayer, if it's attached to your body, then it would make sense that Faith would have to use that device on Buffy. So that way she ended up in a body that also had slayer power. So she would lose that aspect of herself. Either way, if she's switching with Buffy, it wouldn't matter. If it's attached to her soul, she still has it in any body she inhabits. Um, so she still has it when switching with Buffy. And Buffy still has it when switching with her. Um, either way, if it's attached to your body or, or your soul. I think when you take the Slayer-verse, the Buffy-verse into consideration, I think your Slayer power is attached to your well it could be attached to your body too because when Buffy comes back to life at the beginning of season six she still has her slayer powers but she went back to her original body so if it was contained within her body she would still have it and if it's attached to her soul she still has it you know I don't know that's an interesting question do you guys have any thoughts on that do you think the slayer power is attached to your body or your soul because in this context, in, in the context of the Buffyverse, you definitely have a soul that is separate from your body or that can be separated from your body because of all the angel storyline bullshit. So how would that work with your Slayerness? You know, they never really played with taking away Slayer power except the fake taking away of Slayer power during the Cruciamentum whenever they drug you into not having it. But it doesn't mean it's not there. It's just been subdued. Like... They never play around with taking away Slayer powers from a Slayer, do they? I don't think so. Maybe it happened at some point during the comics and I'm not remembering it, but I don't know. Let me know if you guys have a correction for that. Radio at gmail. M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S radio, spelled the normal way, at gmail. Okay. Um, so I had the question of, does the mayor, like, we don't see the part where he's explaining the device to her because then we would, you know, the reveal would be revealed too soon. So we don't know if he, you know, laid it out for her in that way. Did he tell her, okay, here's a device where you can switch bodies with someone and it should be Buffy. Go find her. Do it. Or did he just say, you can switch bodies with anyone now that you're a fugitive. Um, you can just go switch bodies with someone and that way no one will be after you anymore. You know, it's possible that he said that. Um, or did he always intend for her to switch bodies with Buffy? I mean, of course, that's what Faith is going to do because she wants to be Buffy. She wants to understand. Like, I kind of hope that he didn't tell her who to switch bodies with. I mean, we'll never know. Um, I kind of hope that he didn't tell her who to switch bodies with so that she came up with that on her own. Because, of course, that's who she would come up with because she's obsessed with Buffy. Like she's probably in love with her. You know, I would love, I would love for there to be like a novel from Faith's perspective, the moment that she wakes up, you know, like I'd love for a novel that starts with her having the relentless nightmares. And then she wakes up from the coma. And what is she thinking? What is she thinking whenever she slowly realizes what's going on? in the world since she's been asleep and the fact that she was in a coma and then how does she feel during this whole process oh i would love that i would love that i want to read that and i think this is her first act i mean it it seems 
like it's an aggressive act, switching bodies with Buffy. You know, she's taking from her her life like she's always wanted to. So that's a pretty aggressive act. However, I think it's also her first act towards redemption. I mean, it ends up being her first act towards redemption, which we'll talk a lot about in the next episode. Because she, through being Buffy and being treated the way Buffy is treated, she is able to find goodness in herself she didn't even know was there. But I think her just her choice of trading bodies with Buffy is her first step towards redemption. Even though it's really violent and it's not a good decision. It's the decision a criminally insane woman would make. But it's a step in the right direction because she has to know on some level that being Buffy will change her. So she doesn't, it's not like she wants to be bad. You know, if she truly wanted to be bad, she wouldn't have switched bodies with another Slayer, especially if she was able to retain her Slayerness by switching bodies with anyone. If we go with that theory, she could have switched bodies with a vampire. She could have been a literal vampire Slayer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see that. I want to see that. Why have they not written that into the Buffyverse at some point? Like, I want, okay, here's what I want. I probably said this before and I will most likely say it again. What I want is like a one-off or like a series. Ooh, what I wanted is a trilogy of novels from the point of view of Drusilla at the end of season seven. So I don't know if she was alive during this part of the storyline or not, but let's just somehow make it so that she is alive even if she wasn't at this point. <laughs> At the end of season seven, when Willow does her thing and turns every potential into a slayer, because I firmly believe that when Drusilla was human, she was also a potential. And I want there to be some sort of fluke where the, even though she's a vampire, she's able to be imbued with slayer power. Maybe slayer power actually is attached to her soul, which means that her soul comes back to her. Maybe there's a whole subset of vampires that would have been potentials before they turned into vampires. And in that moment, their souls were returned to them along with slayer powers. Like, this is a fantasy world. We can make up whatever the fuck we want. I want that. Because Drusilla was definitely a potential. And I want to see how she grapples with her identity from being a vampire for 300 fucking years or whatever the fuck to all of a sudden now she's a vampire slayer and she's confronted with being pious again in a way that she hadn't thought about since she was training to be a nun in her human life. How cool would that be? I'm there for it. Like, I say all this shit like, well, you could just write it yourself, except I have... I mean, I could start trying to write fiction, and then eventually I'd get good enough to be able to publish something like that. I guess I could do that. <laughs> but right now, I'm so far away from being able to have... I'm not a plot person. Somebody else would have to give me plots. You know? Anyway. I am just going off on all kinds of weird rabbit holes. Okay, let's go back to the notes. Where are we? Okay. Then we get, okay, then we get, Faith has gone to, we get a stupid conversation between Buffy and Riley where Buffy's like, no, seriously, Faith is bad. She's real bad. And Riley's like, okay, she's bad, but I think there's something you're not telling me because she's been editing out all the angel stuff because she doesn't, 
She doesn't feel like getting into it with him right now. Which, of all the conversations we've seen the two of them having in this episode that's supposed to be about fucking Faith, I don't care about Riley at the moment. You know, I like the guy, but for now he needs to just shut up. (laughs) I don't care about Wonder Bread with the NC haircut. (laughs) Oh, poor Riley. Um, But seriously, I know he's having an identity crisis and we should pay a little bit of attention to him, but whatever, I don't care. Um, So she's talking to him, blah, blah, blah. She thinks she's guarding him because she thinks Faith is going to come for him. But then she actually goes for Joyce. So we see her with Joyce. So this is the first time we've seen Joyce. Like since the beginning of the season. I feel like we've seen her at some point during the season. But um, not much. Maybe one other episode. Yeah, that like first episode of the season she went home. Because she was feeling weird and left out. And her mom had already like put a bunch of museum crap in her room. And Faith goes to her and kind of like punches her and holds her hostage and whatever. And here's where we get a really touching moment. I mean, most people wouldn't call this a really touching moment, but I do because I over-identify with Faith. So she's talking, she's monologuing at Joyce and she says, she's like, you know, she's noticed that, you know, there's a whole pile of letters for Buffy. So she can intuit that Buffy hasn't been home in a while. So that's pretty astute. You know, for somebody that's criminally insane, she's paying attention to details. You know, she's still a smart fucking slayer. And she says to Joyce, I know what it's like. You think you matter. You think you're a part of something. And then you get dumped. It's like the whole world is moving, but you're stuck like the animals in the tar pits. It's like you keep sinking a little deeper every day and nobody even sees. So that's really, really important. Joyce reacts to that by saying like, are you going to kill me anytime soon? Which is shitty. First of all, Joyce, the person that's always compassionate towards vampires that come over to her house and like serves them cookies and shit. She'll sit down with Spike or Angel or whoever and have cookies with them and find common ground. And I mean, obviously she's being held hostage right now by Faith. So like, you know, whatever. Like she wouldn't be warm towards her, but she should at least be feeling something towards her after that little monologue. Like if Joyce were the character that we all thought she was, if this were a feminist show after all, then Joyce would be allowed to give a shit about Faith in the way that she gives a shit about male vampires. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, (laughs) that was just a really touching, you know, you're stuck like animals in tar pits. You think you matter. You keep seeking a little bit deeper every day and nobody even sees, which is exactly what was happening last season. She was just sinking and sinking and sinking and no one was noticing her. She was invisible. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Then Buffy gets there. She breaks. She like bursts through the second story window. Who knows how the fuck she did that and why the fuck she did that. She would have had to climb a tree and then burst into the window. I mean, I guess she does have Slayer jumping powers, so she probably just jumped, but we still don't see that demonstrated often enough to think that that's what she did. She should have just come in the front door and snuck up on them. We know Joyce's be- Joyce's bedroom is in the second floor. Like, 
No. Why did she burst in through the window? So she basically, like, she hasn't been home in months. And she comes back and destroys the whole fucking house with her fight with Faith. And then as we'll see in the very beginning of the next episode, she's like, Mommy, I just want to take a bath. Bye. So she, like, destroys the whole house and doesn't help clean up at all. Being the mom of a slayer would really suck, okay? Like, take it outside, okay? Gee, uh, the things that they destroy in the Summer's house. Every time there's destruction of the Summer's house, it's very upsetting. Later, it's a little bit easier to handle whenever um, Xander is actually doing carpentry on a full-time basis and he starts actually putting the house back together after they destroy it. It's a little bit comforting because at least he's doing something that um, is useful to the group and you know that he's going to do it, but... How the hell did Joyce do that all those years? Okay. Okay. So this is pretty much the end of the episode. So there's the big fight and then Faith, um, she kind of, she lets Buffy punch her several times while she has the device attached to her hand, which is kind of smart. Like she's letting Buffy beat her down before she switches bodies. So that way she can just land one big punch on her former body when they switch and knock herself out while the cops are on their way. So this is pretty smart. And let me tell you the goosebumps that I get in the very last moment of this episode, when um, her mom comes in the room after Faith in Buffy's body, <laughs> it's gonna, I'm gonna be a lot of Faith and Buffy, Buffy and Faith. Um, so Faith and Buffy will be Fib and Buffy and Faith will be Biff. Okay. Let's see if I stick to that. So Fib, after she's punched out Biff, um, then the cops are coming and Joyce runs into the room and she's like, honey, are you okay? And, um, Fib is like, that's kind of funny. Fib. It's a lie. And it's Faith and Buffy. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. She's like, she's like, are you okay, honey? And she's like, five by five and then she gets like this wide-eyed psycho stare and then there's you know scary violin sounds and then the episode just goes to black god that's a beautiful moment i don't think there's any other cliffhanger in buffy episode ending cliffhanger that gives me goosebumps like that <laughs> which is i'm slytherin you know like i'm all about the rise of the villain side note I don't know if I told you guys this by last week. I hadn't. I hadn't seen it yet. The Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, the movie that is in theaters right now, if you're listening to this end of February 2020, is fucking excellent. It is worth it. It is mayhem and violence of a joyful nature it's edited really well, like the sound editing and the like, just editing in general. It's really fast paced. It's really fun. It's just, I'm going to see it again. I'm going to see it like, if I can, I'm going to see it like three times in the theater, <laughs> if possible. So if you know me and you live in the same town as me and you want to see it, let's go. Let's go together. I'll do it. I'm ready. I'm thinking about getting like in one of those movie pass things. <laughs> just so I could like go see movies. Cause look, when I get 
really into a movie, I want to see it like five times. Um, and I'm, I'm feeling like that about the Harley Quinn movie right now. So see it. If you've been thinking about seeing it, give that movie money. It was written by women, directed by women, starring a ton of women. Sagan, let's go. Are you ready? Call me. <laughs> okay. Um, so that, let's do our ratings of the episode. Let's go back to where I put that down. So the quote is the quote by Spike. Um, let's say it again, just for fun. Can't any one of your damn little Scooby Club at least try to remember that I hate you all? So that's the quote. Object of the episode. I'm writing down VHS Buffy episodes, even though that's not literally from the episode, but I'm just getting meta on that one. Um, so again, if you have any VHS tape, tapes of Buffy episodes that you are willing to send me temporarily or permanently, I will give them an excellent home. Let me know. Radio at gmail. I will pay shipping. Um, outfit of the episode. Um, there weren't really any bad outfits, but there weren't necessarily any good outfits. It's kind of a wash. Like, Faith somehow found, found vinyl pants, you know, within like 12 hours of being awake from a coma, having no money or anything. <laughs> she just robbed a vinyl pants store, and so she was good. Um, so her pants were good. Um, but it wasn't like a particularly standout outfit. It was just, you know, she was just wearing like a tank top and like a black denim jacket and some vinyl pants and boots. You know, she was just wearing a typical Faith outfit, which is good. But, like, nothing was really standout. Like, Willow was wearing typical Willow shit. Tara was wearing typical Tara shit. It was good. It was fine. So I'm just gonna give it a... I'm gonna give it a wash on the outfit of the episode. MVP. Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like nobody really... did the right thing in this episode. Not really. I really don't think so. I mean, let's just give it to Faith because she's here and we don't get to give it to her very often. And hey, she overcame Buffy in her dream. She overcame some psychological shit that she needed to. And she got out of the coma. She got herself out of that fucking coma. And then she stuck around long enough like she could have just run immediately she could have just got the fuck out of there immediately and like started her life over in some other town or something but she stuck around long enough to assess the situation and figure out what she wanted to do and yeah she had like a big nudge from the mayor but and she did like a real shitty thing like it's not cute to switch bodies with Buffy and she's gonna do some really not cute things in the next episode that we're gonna talk about but she's taking steps she's being active in her own storyline and she's taking even though she may not be she may not realize it but she's taking steps towards her psychological betterment even though they're still misguided but anyway we'll just give it to Faith because everyone else sucks in this episode anyway <laughs> Five by five ratings. Treatment of women in this episode. Simply because of the way that Faith is treated as a character, a lot of it can be blamed on this actually not being a feminist show. Because if this were Angel, we'd be giving him a lot more benefit of the doubt. We 
Buffy would be feeling a lot more guilty about the things that she had done to him if this were Angel. She'd be feeling... Willow would even be willing to forgive him if this were a man. It it really... I really feel like this episode is one of those ones where you can really see the patriarchy present. Um, so I'd say treatment of women in this episode is a two. I mean, I maybe... I, I can't give it a one because it's not as bad as most pop culture in 2000 was. So it still gets a two, which is better than that, but it was kind of shitty. Overall enjoyability of the episode. This is a pretty good episode with... Save for, like, those, like, scenes with Riley that were just kind of like, we don't want to talk to you right now, Riley. I'm sorry. I know you're going through some shit, but not right now. With the exception of that, it was a very enjoyable episode, and it was well-paced, and it, it went by really quickly. You know, like, I'm used to watching this as, you know, back-to-back, -back, since it's a two-parter. So it's weird to stop right there. In fact, this is the first time I think I've ever stopped after just watching that episode. So it's going to be hard for me to wait till next week, but, um, so it's a good episode. Let's give it a four. So this episode gets an eight altogether. Okay. Do we still have to talk about Angel? Hold on. I got to pee first. Okay. The Angel episode is called The Prodigal, written by Tim Maneer and directed by Bruce Seth Green. Plot summary. According to Nikki Stafford's guide entitled Once Bitten, Past and present come together when Kate faces her feelings about her father and we learn about Angel's relationship with his father. So this episode is kind of partially a flashback episode. We get a whole bunch of terrible scenes of Angel and his relationship with his dad and then his relationship, his relationship to his dad before and after he became a vampire. So, I mean, it's interesting backstory for Angel, I guess, if you care. Um, I think it's interesting that they made, in this episode, they were making a direct parallel between Angel's relationship with his dad and Kate's relationship to her dad. That is something that you really don't see very often. Like, normally you don't make a direct comparison between a male character and a female character in this way. And it kind of took me a while to catch on that that was what they were doing with this episode. So I thought that was really cool. And it was a perfectly fine episode. Like, I didn't literally enjoy it that much. But I think it was just, it could have been edited a lot better. I think it's an interesting story to tell if they had made the parallels it felt really disjointed. Like, it was hard to notice that that was what they were doing. It's cool as a concept that they were making comparisons between Kate and Angel. Like, direct comparisons between things that they have in common. I think that's really cool because you really don't see that, like, ever. You really don't see women being compared to men character to character. You know, like, you don't. So that was really cool, but it was just, it wasn't really handled correctly, I don't think. Um, so Angel is unable to save Kate's dad. He dies in this episode. Um, Kate's looking so cute, like, so cute. I didn't used to be into the whole Butch thing, 
but Kate with like her jeans and denim tucked in shirt with belt and boots. She's just so cute. She's so cute. Like, so cute. So she's kind of forgiving Angel. Like throughout the course of this episode, she's sort of forgiven Angel. And maybe they're even making a further comparison, not only the similarities between the two of them as characters, but they might also be making a comparison that like Angel's kind of a father figure for Kate. I know they're trying to do a little bit of like romantic tension between them, but I don't think that works. I mean, if this show were remade today, Kate would be a lesbian, you know? She would. Um, that's the best possible outcome for this character. Like, she wouldn't be into Angel. Um, so I think that's like a little bit of a forced thing anyway, because I don't think, I just like, I don't buy Angel being like into anybody but Buffy, you know, because he was able to go hundreds of years without being into anyone except Darla and then Buffy. So I just don't believe that he would quickly move on to having a crush on anyone else. So I don't think they go too far with that storyline, so it's fine, but whatever. It's an interesting premise. I don't think it was executed particularly well. Again, probably because the writers of Buffy are spread too thin right now because they're doing Buffy and Angel at this point. They don't really... Joss Whedon doesn't know how to run two shows at once. He He's not doing a great job at it. <laughs> so um, again, like has, as has been the case with almost this entire season, if one of these shows has a great episode on that week, the other shows is kind of shitty. So in this case, it's the Angel episode that's kind of shitty. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I don't remember anything super standout about it. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to say about it. And I don't even care enough to read the rest of the description in this book right now. So, sorry, I'm not really an Angel recap podcast, but I am really enjoying watching every episode exactly 20 years later. Um, alongside Buffy, I just don't pay as much attention. I watch the Angel episodes once instead of twice. I don't take notes with the Angel episodes. I'm sure you guys didn't even notice. <laughs> that is sarcasm. Sorry, I don't do it often. Um... But yeah, it's it's not an Angel Recap podcast. If you want an Angel Recap podcast, there's a really good one called Angel on Top. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not the one to give it to you. Uh, I'll give you overall plot points. And we are actually coming up on... I mean, it's going to be a little bit. But when Faith crosses over onto Angel, I'm going to be treating those episodes more like I treat the Buffy episodes. So I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to handle that yet. I'd love to know your input. Would you rather, once we get to that point, so coming up pretty soon, there's going to be a Faith story arc on Angel. I think it's going to happen in April. So when we get to that point, I'm going to be talking pretty in depth about the Angel episodes do you want me to put it in the same episode as the Buffy discussions? Or do you want me to separate the episodes? Because likely I'm going to be talking about the Angel episodes with Faith in them as much as I talk about the Buffy episodes. So that means that the podcast episodes, if it's all together in one shot, I'm probably, they're probably going to be like fucking two or three hours long. Like, 
seriously. I'm going to be talking so much if I talk about two episodes as much as I talk about the Buffy episodes. I mean, I guess I'll just give you a fair warning. But if you really, really, really don't want it to be all together in one episode, let me know. Um, okay, so I guess that's it. I hope you guys have an incredible week. Uh, unfortunately, we have to wait another week until we get to talk about who are you, which is when it really gets exciting. Um, when Faith is in Buffy's body and Buffy is in Faith's. I will have so much to say. Like being a psychology major <laughs> in school, even though I'm not using that degree now, um, is just, I find this kind of shit so fascinating when it's done right. And so I'm going to have a lot to say. Um, even though I've already said a lot. So I'm going to shut up now because my throat hurts. It's time for some cough drops <laughs> and maybe some ibuprofen PM. Hope you guys are great. I will see you next week. Bye.